I was delighted recently by an essay I read by Swiss Reformed theologian Karl Barth. The selection is from a book called The Word of God and the Word of Man. In this chapter, A Strange New World Within the Bible, Bart is challenging how we enter into our reading of Scripture, whether we enter our time of reading with trepidation, with fear and trembling, whether we should enter boldly into Scripture with confidence, or whether we should engage in reading Scripture at all, whether we are even worthy to do so. It's beautiful and powerful and poetical, this chapter from Bart. And his voice comes through as passionate about both the gospel and the Christ within it. In walking through the wonders of both Old Testament and New, Bart comes to the gospels, in which he describes Jesus Christ in this way. Then come the incomprehensible, incomparable days when all previous time, history, and experience seem to stand still in the presence of a man who was no prophet, no poet, no hero, no thinker, and yet all of these and more. His words cause alarm, for he speaks with authority and not as we as ministers. With compelling power, he calls to each one, follow me. Even to the distrustful and antagonistic, he gives an irrepressible, an irresistible impression of eternal life. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Bart continues, Blessed is the womb that bear thee, cry the people. And the quieter and lonelier he becomes, and the less real faith he finds in the world about him, the stronger through his whole being peals one triumphant note, I am the resurrection and the life, because I live, ye shall live also. It is this Christ that we read this morning in our gospel from Mark. It's easy for Jesus to be beloved of the people when he is healing and casting out demons. It's easy to be in the favor of the crowd when he is preaching freedom for the oppressed. It's easy to lift up a hero when the message benefits us. It is in our DNA, quite literally in our DNA, to want to be strong and vital, to want to be successful. At a very base level, it protects our species. It helps us survive. Healthy people do not desire weakness and death. People with good sense don't follow a leader that advocates martyrdom for unclear causes. We, with the benefit of the end of the story, we already know the brilliance of the result and the necessity of the means. But to Jesus' disciples at the time, Jesus must have sounded something like this. God lifts up the lowly. Yay! God heals the sick. Yay! God fills the hungry. Hooray! God casts away demons. Yay, God! Boo, demons! Pick up your cross and follow me! Whoa, wait a minute. 
This is the point that Bart describes Jesus as becoming quieter and lonelier with less real faith around him. We can hardly blame them, the disciples. They were trying to make smart choices for themselves and for their families. We do it every day. Jesus' message was difficult and violent and hard to stomach. And it was full of love and hope and life. The disciples, the ones who stayed close and the ones who kept him at arm's length, they were all trying to sort it out, as humans do. Peter, the one who actually steps up and rebukes him, is trying to stave off this train wreck. One commentator I read this week said, Mark doesn't tell what Peter said, but we can surmise that it was something like, We have seen the power you have and thought you would free us from the Romans and restore the kingdom of Israel to its previous glory. That's good. That's not actually, though, what I surmise that Peter might have said. I surmise that Peter, who really did try hard to make this whole thing work, said something more like, Jesus, we're trying to build a movement here, and this kind of attitude is not really the brand we're looking for. Can you perhaps perk it up a little bit? Get thee behind me, Satan, Jesus responds. And there it is, that clash of cultures that goes back to Adam and Eve. God said, creation, and we said, we want more. God said, grace abundant, and we said, is that all? God says, my son, and we said, "Eh, he's not really what we asked for. God says, life eternal, and we say, that's kind of hard. Can we do it another way? For everything that God provides, we, like petulant teenagers, pout. We think we know better. We think we can find a shortcut or an easy way out. We did it back then, and we still do it now. And here, in this morning's gospel reading, Jesus says, no, no. There is no easy way out on this one. But the reward far outweighs the loss. You will only know that if you stop complaining, if you stop arguing with me, and have a little faith. It's no coincidence that this reading comes in Lent, this time when we are instructed to start sorting out our spiritual houses when we are to travel a little ways into whatever spiritual wilderness we have around us, to shadow box, as Jeffrey reminded us last week, with whatever shadows need pushing around. Collectively, as a people created by God, we could do with a little dose, or maybe a big one, of what Jesus is dishing out in this morning's gospel. We could do with a bit of reminding that in the beginning... And, in the end, God is the great provider, the creator, the redeemer. God made order out of chaos. God made humankind. God made life and then made it eternal. Everything we have, we have because God provided it in some form or fashion. We are not God We are of God. We are here by the will of God. 
But we are not God, and there is nothing we can do or say, no protest we can make or action we can begin that will change that. And in this morning's gospel, Jesus is suggesting that we can either accept that or we can get out of the way. When we accept it, when we claim the authority of God over our lives, our bodies and souls, when we give up the illusion of control and allow God to move freely over the face of our own deep chaos, we might find that the cross that we so dreaded shouldering is much lighter than anticipated because the death it represents holds no sway over us. Karl Barth's essay that I mentioned a few minutes ago continues beyond its description of the life of Jesus and into a brief description of the rest of the New Testament. Barth says, And then comes the echo, the echo which this man's life finds in a little crowd of folk who listen Watch and wait. Here is the echo of the first courageous missionaries who felt the necessity upon them to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every culture. Bart says, here is the echo of Paul. The righteousness of God is revealed. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. And he which hath begun a good work in you will finish it. Here is the deep, still echo of John. Life was manifested. We beheld his glory. Now we are the sons of God. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Now, Bart believes this echo ceases as the Bible finishes. But I believe the echo continues in our church communities every time we close our own mouths, still our petty wants, and listen for it. When we listen for the echo of Jesus' life in our own little crowd of folks who listen, watch, and wait, we will learn what we might gain when we do the hard work of losing our lives for the sake of the gospel. Amen.